Good morning. For those of you that may be new here, my name is Ben. I'm the executive pastor here, uh, as well as what Rich mentioned earlier. We're very privileged and blessed to be part of this church, so thank you for being here in person. Thank you for joining us online as well. Um, It's kind of the pattern when I speak. I like to start things out just diving right into Scripture. So I'm going to read from my Bible here, Matthew 13. So if you want to turn there, it's also going to be on the screen as well. Um, this, is, this is when Jesus explains to the disciples the parable of the, the seed in the soil, and we'll kind of unpack that a little bit later in the message. But I wanted to start with reading the words of Jesus as he explained this, this confusing parable to his disciples. It says in verse 18 this, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once received it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come, because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed that falls on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. May it guide us, may it direct us through whatever storms we may be facing. Just ask, Lord, that your word, named Jesus, would continue to comfort us, be a light that shines through whatever darkness we face, shine through whatever darkness we may be walking over as we continue to seek you faithfully. Lord, I just ask that you would just continue to strengthen us, direct us, as we seek to follow the will of Christ, the solid rock, our foundation, the hand of our salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so to catch us up really quick, this year we're talking about what it looks like for us to be rooted. So rooted in Christ is the message for this morning, what it looks like for us to not just know in our heads about Jesus and about faith and about being an admirer of Jesus like we heard last week, but what it looks like to actually be rooted in Scripture, what it looks like for for the Word that is Christ to live within us, to take root in our lives so that way we then produce fruit. Last week we heard about the, the foolish builder and the wise builder, right? The foolish builder knew what to build his house on. He knew the foundation that he should have chose which is the rock, which is Christ, but he chose the sand. So to be a wise builder, we can't just have information, we can't just have knowledge about what the best materials are, what the best foundation for our lives is. We actually have to take the steps. We have to choose to follow. We have to choose to build our life on the foundation that is Christ. And Pastor Rich also, he intentionally closed out our time last week by opening a time of reflection. So we're going to do the same thing at the end of this service as well. Um, But we reflected last week, we we pondered on whether or not we were an admirer of Jesus or whether we choose to follow Jesus. So we all had an invitation to decide whether we were going to stand up and say that I am going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to be a one that follows the ways of Jesus. Those individuals that decided to say yes to Jesus. But when we say yes, when we declare that we're going to follow Jesus, that we're going to be rooted in Christ. That's when we identify the root source of many of those rocks and many of those weeds that we found in that passage in Matthew. See, the, the, the non-committed 
Jesus followers, the, the admirers of Jesus, they fall into that first camp. They fall into that camp where they hear and they receive the word, but then they kind of go on to the next thing. Now we're going to get into the weeds. We're going to get into the rocks. We're going to get into the, the main source that ends up creating a barrier from the word of Christ, the word that is Christ, to take root in our lives. And that root source that we're going to identify is fear. Now, we're not talking about the fear of the Lord. That's reverence. That's keeping God at the top. That's a recognition that God is all-powerful and all-knowing. And that's not talking about fear as a, a natural response to danger. So if, if you're under attack, if something is about to harm you, it's natural for us to have a fear response, right? And then there's also those that, that because of life circumstances or because of their brain chemistry, they sometimes become more fearful and more anxious than the average person. And, and that's, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the natural response to danger or perceived danger. That's not the fear that we're talking about. The fear that we're talking about is the fear is the, the insecurities, the, the anxieties, the concerns of our lives and of this world that prevent us from fully trusting Jesus to actually follow with our bodies, to follow with our lives. So can we be vulnerable this morning? Can we, can we get into that invitation that Jesus gives us to, to step into our fear, to lean into Jesus in going through our fear? Can we do that? All right, I'll go first. I'm the one with the microphone. So for me, fear, like all of us, our fears change, right? Our fears evolve. The things that we're afraid of when we were a child, sometimes they don't apply to our lives now as an adult. So for me, one of those fears that I had and now I don't have is the fear of clowns. Anybody else had a fear of clowns, or like an uneasiness of clowns? Do some people still hold on to that fear of clowns a little bit? So there, I, can, I can find the exact root of my fear of clowns. I became afraid of clowns the day that I watched the movie. I know many of you are going to say it, but it wasn't it. The movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Any fans? Yeah, I didn't think so. If you haven't seen it, which I don't recommend if you haven't, it's ridiculous. But anyways, if you see it as a child, it might be a little believable. So like now as an adult, I'm not afraid of clowns because I'm pretty sure there's not a clown in existence that can wrap me up in cotton candy into some kind of cocoon and take me away. I don't think that's, that's how clowns operate. And then there's birds. I, so this one, <laughs> let's talk about this one for a little bit. I'm not afraid of birds today. I respect birds. <laughs> because birds... I mean, they can fly around quicker than I can run. They're agile. It's hard to see them. Like, birds have the potential to still be scary, in my opinion. But I know where that route was. So I used to mow lawns at a cemetery in our neighborhood. Way younger than somebody should have had a job. It was one of those deals. You think you paid under the table. So here's, here's little, like, 11, 12, 13-year-old Ben mowing lawns on this riding lawnmower that goes about two miles an hour. And I knew... Every time I did it, when I got to that north end of the cemetery, I knew exactly what was coming for me. I don't know the type of bird. I don't know how big the birds were. I don't know how many there were. In my mind, it was like hundreds. I'm sure that wasn't accurate. But as soon as I got under those trees, I would just get swarmed by birds because their nests were up in the trees. So they were just dive bombing me. They were just nature's little like 
They're just, they're just flying around like little drones over top of me the whole time that I'm mowing this lawn. So every time I'm driving around, I'm like, they're going to get me, they're going to get me, they're going to get me. So I just, from that moment, was like, yeah, birds can stay in cages, right? But again, that's another fear that had merit maybe when I was growing up, but probably doesn't have much merit today. I felt those fears. So those fears were real because I felt them in those moments. But they're not really justified by, by reality, right? But then there are experiences that we can have as a child where we are afraid, but the danger also is very real. And then that fear is warranted. So me and my brother and some of our cousins and friends, we had a little birthday party. It was, it was a pool party, which meant like a pool the size of this, this rug right here. Um, above, above ground pool, it was round. And around the edges, you know how those round above ground pools work, it's, that's the shallow end. So like when you go around the edges, it's shallow, in the middle it gets deeper. Well, I'm like not tall enough to be in this pool, and I didn't really know how to swim very well at the time. But we had this game where we'd kind of like crawl around the edges, right? So you go around the edges and you create a little bit of a whirlpool, and you get that going as fast as you can, and then you try to launch yourself from one end to the other, and kick yourself off the wall and go to the other end. Well, again, I didn't really know how to swim very well, and I wasn't very big, so I attempted to do that and launched myself into the middle, and I didn't make it through to the other side. So then I went down. And when you're a child and you're in water above your head, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, five feet high. To me, that, that was the ocean at that point. So you start to panic and you start to drown. And, and thankfully, my brother noticed that my head didn't come back up and came back down underneath there and pulled me out and coughed up water, and I was fine. I mean, I know that many of you are like, where were the parents? Well, it was the 90s, so it was the... The, the time of no adult supervision. So thankfully I had an older brother. Um, but yeah, so our fears, whether they're irrational or irrational, they feel real in our bodies, right? right? They feel real at that time in our minds. Those fears cause us to act a certain way. They cause us to react a certain way. Fears, whether we experience them as a child or whether we experience them as an adult, they ultimately shape how we interact with the world around us. They even influence how we experience our relationship with God. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Because our fear, like I said, redirects the roots of the word of God from getting into our hearts. The presence of unaddressed fear is what leads to those rocky places. That weed-infested ground that causes the truth of Jesus to just not land just doesn't take root. And now I know, with a room full of mostly adults here, we're all thinking, yeah, but I was afraid when I was a kid, but I don't have any fears now. I'm not scared of anything. Let's try that again. What frustrates you right now in life? What makes you angry unjustifiably right now in your life? What makes you feel anxious or impatient, restless? What makes you feel less than? See, when it comes to how we're navigating our lives, there are attitudes that present themselves that oftentimes don't line up to the attitudes that we know that we should have, right? So what is the root of that disconnect? It's fear. Could there be an underlying fear deep within our hearts 
that's at the root of some of those feelings, at the root of some of those reactions? Could that unending desire for more that many of us struggle with, always needing more and more and more and more, could that maybe be rooted in fear? What about the the resentment that we have towards people that are different than us? Could that be rooted in fear? That relationship that's strained, that relationship that doesn't exist anymore, could the state of that relationship at least partially be? Because there's a fear that's taken root. Is the reason that last week and the reason this week, you just don't, you can't take that next step in following Jesus? Or maybe your life just doesn't feel fruitful like we talk about. Maybe you're, maybe you're experiencing a spiritual dryness no matter how many times you show up. Could that be due to fear? Could there be a fear there? See, this is more than, than clowns and water and birds. See, those rocks and weeds, they're, they're added daily to the reality of our lives, right? There's so much to be afraid of in this world. There's so much to cause us to press pause and not step forward, not continue to follow Jesus. And sometimes, right when we're at that point where we're ready to say, I am a follower of Jesus, I surrender all, right when we get to here, that's when those fears come up. That's when those vulnerabilities start to take the surface. And that's when the darkness of this world becomes so apparent, right? We've all been there. We're trying and we're trying and we're trying, and then I can't do it. I can't take that next step. That's where we find Peter in this next passage that we're going to read, where Peter is invited to walk on water. This narrative reveals to us how we have a Savior named Jesus that's actually present in our lives right now, even in those fears. It's from Matthew 14. It's going to be on the screen as well, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So even after Jesus, just a few verses before that, fed thousands, he performed a miracle, gave them the evidence that they needed to have no doubt that he was the Son of God. We see the disciples' faith being shaken. Even Peter's, one of the founders of the church, his faith was shaken. And what was it that shook his faith? It was fear. 
That's where Jesus re-enters this scene. And Jesus not only acknowledges their fear, he actually invites them back into faith. When he says that statement, take courage, it's an invitation to receive confidence in Christ. And then Jesus even creates space. He allows there to be space for Peter to doubt and question and express his fears to him. Even while Jesus is hearing those doubts and concerns while standing on the water. So then Peter did take those steps. Peter had to take steps on the water and trust Jesus. And like we sang about earlier, when he kept his eyes on Christ, he could continue to walk. He continued to walk over that danger and towards Christ. But even as he trusted Jesus, even as he was one of his closest followers, we saw him get turned away by fear. We saw the uncertainty come rushing back. And then Peter failed. He failed. But even in Peter's fear and even in Peter's failure, he still had just enough faith to cry out, Lord, save me. And because we have a faithful Savior, because we have love from God, he was saved. Before this happened, Jesus had calmed other storms. Jesus had performed other miracles of unimaginable proportions. There was no doubting the power of Jesus. In this moment, we see something different. We see a different invitation from Jesus that I don't, I don't think we should miss. This was like a trust exercise that Jesus invited Peter to. He didn't calm the storm until Peter showed faith. But in that, he reminds us that even when we fail, even when we have fear, even when those those vulnerabilities and those insecurities come rising out of our lives, that's just all the more opportunity for his grace and his glory to be revealed and experienced. I think it's pretty easy to picture us on the boat in this story, right? The church, the followers of Jesus, the people that are trying to be with Jesus, we're out on the boat and the storms are crashing, right? The winds are howling, The darkness prevents us from seeing anything. And what are our prayers usually tend to be? We're usually praying for Jesus to calm the storm, praying for Jesus to get rid of the storm, get rid of the winds, get rid of the waves. Or we're asking Jesus to at least, at the very least, take what we've built, take this boat that we've built with our own hands and our own strength, and help us to just endure and get through this. But that's that's not where Jesus invited Peter, is it? It's not where Jesus recognizes that we are either. You see, we're not on the boat. And we're not quite there yet fully with Jesus. But where we are is that water. We're walking on the water. If you decided, whether it was last week or last century, that I am a follower of Jesus, you're in that water. You're taking those small steps of faith, trying to keep your eyes on Jesus as he leads you safety, as he leads you to security, as he leads you to where you belong. But it's as we're walking that the, the, depths, the depths of that water is the depths of our fears, the depths of our uncertainties. And those winds and those waves and those storms are all the distractions that the world throws at us, all the things that try to get us to put our hope in something else or to, to try to reach back to the boat, reach back to what we know we can do. 
or what some other person can do. And we need to walk forward to what only Jesus can do. There's this really, really incredible book that I've read a couple times over this last year called Having the Mind of Christ. It says this about fears, and it's something that has just kind of continued to stick with me. It says, if we didn't fail, if we didn't suffer, if we didn't encounter our own limitations or fears, we'd never develop the kind of character that love requires. We don't come out of the wound with the character of Jesus. It is developed in us as we encounter grace, suffering and failure, and we learn to respond appropriately, learn to faithfully take that next step. But with that comes a warning. Because when we're confronted with our fears, when we start to identify those vulnerable areas of our lives, which I hope we all can choose today to do that, that's when those false idols start to, to draw our attention, right? That's where, that's where the counterfeit Jesus starts to invite us off of the ways of Jesus, onto a different way, onto a different boat leading us to a different direction away from Christ. These false idols, these, these false powers, they, they tend to capitalize on our fears more than rescue us from our fears. And they do it by offering numbing of the fears, numbing of the pain, rather than actually healing the fears, working through the fears. And it's in that moment, it's in that moment where we decide that we're going to be vulnerable, that's when we need to hold tightly to Jesus' hand. That's when we need to cry out, Lord, save me. But it has to be the real Jesus, right? It can't be the celebrity Jesus that, that numbs our fears, that numbs our insecurities with likes and follows and what is popular and where everyone's at and where everyone's going. It's not the Monopoly man Jesus who says, I can numb your pain, I can numb your insecurities if you just get a little bit more. It's not even the intellectual Jesus that says, I know you have fears and I know you have worries, but if you would just know a little bit more, if you just have all the right words, all the right answers, that's when you're going to find peace. That's when you can overcome your fear. It's not the politician Jesus that promises that your fears will go away if you only vote for fill in the blank. Or if you only stand by this political system. There's the other Jesus who tries to numb the idea that Jesus is all about you. And it's all about what you want. Jesus will do whatever I need. I call it the Tina Turner Jesus. I'm your private savior. How many knows who Tina Turner is? Please show a hand. Okay, okay. There was like nobody that got that in the first service at all. So I just wanted to press pause, figure out if these are my people first, and then continue on. Savior for money, do what you pray me to do. That's not the Jesus that we have, right? That's not the Jesus that's going to heal the pain. That's the Jesus that's just going to offer to numb the pain. We need the real Jesus, the one that healed in secret, the Jesus that exposed the evils of the love of money, right? The Jesus that summed up all of his law, not by more information, but by love. The Jesus that didn't worry about the political kingdoms of the world, but decided, I'm building my own kingdom. 
It doesn't rely on oppressing creation. It doesn't rely on vilifying the, the sons and daughters of God. The Jesus that empathized, he loved, he forgave, he redeemed. That Jesus reveals the fullness of our God. That Jesus reveals who we are and what it looks like to be rooted in his love. As humans, we don't have to deny that our desire for safety is present, right? That's what makes us human. Our needs is what makes us human. But the way we follow Jesus in our humanness is by learning to realign our very real needs for security and belonging and significance away from all those false hopes. Keep our eyes focused on the real Jesus. This process is seeking a word from God through our awareness of his son that creates new possibilities for us. To walk by faith in those moments of fear where we immediately crave security, belonging, and significance the most. We can admit we have fears. That's okay. Some fears are even very helpful when they're paired with wisdom. But because we have Jesus, we don't have to live in fear. We sang about it. We don't have to navigate life with an underlying fear that keeps us from walking towards Jesus. That maybe he isn't promising what we think. That maybe he isn't the savior that he says he is. We don't have to wonder if we'll be good enough to take that next step. We don't have to wonder if we can earn the right to have that next foundation to plant our feet on. We're all invited, moment by moment, hour by hour, second by second, we're all invited to just simply remain rooted in Jesus, to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's when we take root. Even in the storm, we're invited to trust that we have a good shepherd. From Psalm 23, from that video that we saw at the beginning of the service, we have a shepherd that cares for his flock. And as we seek to follow Jesus, the key is to expose and confront those fears and those vulnerabilities. And then to reject any of the false idols, the counterfeit Jesus that just leads us deeper into those insecurities, capitalizes on those securities. And then just like Peter, we just simply cry out and lean into the real Jesus who can till away those rocks of insecurity, who can till away those weeds of fear and cultivate a fertile soil, ready to be planted with his love and with his truth so that his love and his grace can find a life that is healthy and fruitful so that we can be ready to embrace new life, new birth, resurrection, redemption within the body of Christ together in his ever-expanding kingdom. We're going to talk more about that love next week as we close out this series. But I want to close just like we closed last week with a time of quiet reflection. So I have a few questions that I want us to just bow our heads and close our eyes and just think on these questions 
These, these aren't answers for your neighbor. These aren't answers for me. This is just between you and God. Let's meditate on these questions for a few moments before we close in prayer. What am I afraid of? What frustrates me? What causes me to dehumanize people? What causes me to think negatively about my life, about who I am? What causes me to resist being vulnerable to a loving God or to his church? What fears could be tied to that? Where in my life do I feel myself sinking? Where I feel myself drowning in insecurity, vulnerability, fear? And when I have that feeling, who am I looking to for hope? Is it Jesus? Is it the real Jesus found in Scripture? Father God, only you know the answers to these questions. And thank you, Lord, that even knowing the answers to those questions, even knowing our inmost thoughts and our feelings, we thank you that you still choose to love us. You choose to, to be right there in our hearts, right there in the deepest parts that only we know. Thank you for continuing to still choose to go before us, to be right with us where we're at, and continually gifting us with your grace and with your mercy. Lord God, no matter what what the next step for me is, no matter what the next step of my neighbor is, anyone here hearing this, just remind us that you're there. Help us to remember that you're here. And that our weakness only reveals your strength. Lord, remind us that you've gifted us with your church, you've gifted us with your presence in the people that are next to us and in front of us and around us. Help us as a church to be an encouragement to one another. Help this church to be a way for us to see and feel your love in person, in the flesh. Lord, I would just ask that we leave this place changed that we would be able to take that next step closer to you, that we would have the confidence and the trust to know not only that we can follow after Jesus, but we can help lead others to do the same. Help us to be one. Help us to be rooted in our rock and our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I want to end our time with a little benediction. Um, it's from a passage in Colossians 2, just kind of as something for us to maybe speak over ourselves as we leave this place and go. So if, you, if you're able to, I'd love if you could stand with me. Um, 
And I'll just close with this passage of Scripture before we leave. May we be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that may we have full riches of complete understanding in order that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. May no one deceive us by fine-sounding arguments. Though we may be absent from one another in body, may we be present in spirit and delight to see how disciplined we are and how firm our faith in Christ is. So then, just as we received Christ Jesus as Lord, let us continue to live our lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Amen. Have a blessed week. Hope to see you next week.